0: Europe's last dictator won't let sports stop during coronavirus. The virus is just another psychosis, which will benefit some people and harm others, Lukashenko said last week. The civilized world is going nuts. It is absolute stupidity to close state borders. Instead of panicking like those in Western Europe, he suggested having 40 to 50 grams of vodka daily and frequenting saunas. He also told farmers to keep working, as tough work and a
1: tractor can cure anything. Well, I don't have access to a tractor. I kind of do. I mean, my last job I worked on a tractor, but I didn't really feel healthier for it. In fact, working in the middle of winter on a tractor is pretty unhealthy. Well,
0: I, for one, refuse to believe that Alexander Lukashenko would lie to us. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Liberty Rogues, our chill, anarcho-gamerist show. It's a show where we talk about politics and pop culture and uh, video games. You might have noticed that gamers, they don't necessarily have the best politics, to say the least. There are quite a few euphemisms to suggest uh, that suggest a connection between gaming and chad politics, like heated gaming moment, the gamer word, gamer American... Our job, our goal, our primary quest is to fix that. We'll reclaim gaming. We are your hosts, Nestor and Miles. Both of us have very strange backgrounds. Frankly, we are very weird people. Both of us were involved in political activism, although we approached it from two very different directions. (laughs) Both of us are amateur game designers. We have dozens of video game prototypes behind us that were never finished and realistically will probably never be finished. Anyway, this is how I legitimize the existence of this show. Since this is our first episode, we should introduce ourselves. I'm going to talk about myself a little bit. I got interested in politics uh, back when I was a teenager and uh, I started reading foreign media for the first time and I made a shocking discovery. Foreign media is shit, and since then my political path has been complicated. I used to be kind of a chud, but in my defense, I was never a Nazi or even socially conservative or anything like that. i was uh, instead, I was kind of a racist rationalist, something like that something cringy but uh basically one of my life's passions was uh trying to apply the strategies and the methods the logic of american civil rights movement to russian realities because russians basically have no civil rights culture at all but there is there is obviously some demand for for civil rights solutions Uh, i got radicalized back in I think it was like 2014 or something. There was a sequence of events called Euromaidan Revolution or Ukrainian Revolution of Dignity, which is cringiest name ever. Basically, Ukrainians wanted to improve... Uh, their lives, and they took it to the streets, which is, I think, is perfectly reasonable and rational. But the revolution had a hidden, dark side. A good number of Ukrainian politicians leading the protest, as well as organizations they represented, basically were racist as fuck. But they were racist against Russians. So, you know, in foreign, th- this this reality wasn't really reflected in the foreign media at all. So I thought, enough games. My motherland needs me. I started looking around, and uh, basically the only people in Russia who were interested uh, in the kind of politics I was interested in were... Uh, they were the nationalists. So that's how I got into, the, uh, in, into Chattery. Russians are weird-ass people. One person I used to work with was uh, a liberal race realist. Uh, another guy was uh, socially liberal, but... Also pro-Hitler for some fucking reason. (laughs) Like, it's basically... Basically, Russian ideologies, they they, they sometimes seem almost computer-generated, like a mix of different parts that don't really fit together, although uh, I'm not one to judge, I guess. Eventually, like a few years after that, I discovered the obvious, and that is that all the things that are important, the conversation about civil rights, creating strategies, uh, philosophies, how to build a better culture, a better society, uh, all these things, turns out, can be done without associating with the far-right or involving far-right radicals. In fact, involving far-right radicals is counterproductive. If you talk about civil rights inside right-wing spaces, then what you are basically doing is just helping legitimize Nazis. But even more importantly, the longer I was involved with Russian chuds, the more I disliked them. Uh, These people are absolutely insufferable. Anyway, this story is actually very long, and I'm sure we'll talk about that later. Miles, tell about, tell us, uh, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) So so that's
1: my story. Miles, tell us about yourself. You know, you're going to cut that in and you're suddenly going to be laughing, like (laughs) talking through a laugh. I'm going to leave the previous <laughs> Also, you didn't mention anything. I mean, you should be upfront about, about your Russian heritage. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes.
0: Um, I grew up in Moscow. I grew up during the 90s, the horrible Russian 90s, when, when the country experienced a catastrophic collapse in quality of life. And basically, uh, for a short while, it became a legit third world country. So, yeah, that was unpleasant. As you could probably imagine, there was a lot of
1: injustice yeah. that motivated me. So, about you, man. All right. Well, um, my name is Miles, at least. I am a Canadian born and bred. I've been involved with politics pretty much my entire adult life. It's worth
0: uh, mentioning that both of us are millennials.
1: Oh, uh, yes. I, 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 too, am a millennial. Um, mm-hmm. I, too, grew up in the 90s, although I grew up pretty good in Canada in the nineties, like that was pretty, the pretty much the golden era of, of pre nine 11 utopia, utopian capitalism. Mm. So I had, I had a pretty, I had a pretty different, pretty different nineties experience to you. For me, uh, the the worst part about the nineties was the way people dressed.
0: Ah, you motherfuckers.
1: (laughs) So I, I probably have it pretty easy. Um, but yeah, um, like any good political gamer, um, I've been politically active on and off since, uh, pretty much my my entire adult life i started off a little bit sketchy um when i was a uh a young impressionable teenager just starting out in high school
0: well that doesn't really count though teenagers don't really have thoughts or soul
1: yeah but i think actually it is i mean you're right obviously but i think looking back on my experience like i i started getting into um, nazism and fascism and stuff just as a fad just as like oh, this will make me edgy, like, oh, it's so cool, like, it's so it's so controversial and, and on the edge of uh, acceptable um, things.
0: It's a little offensive to me, Miles, because you're, you're claiming uh, the ex-Chud cred here, but the reality is that you're not an ex-Chud. No. Because, yeah, because I actually did Chud activism in real life, but, you know, things that you do as a teenager it doesn't really count.
1: No, it doesn't. But it's also kind of a pipeline like it could have. Not that I'm saying like I suppose it's any any comparable. Like I wasn't I wasn't a politically active then. I just thought that shit was cool and edgy. It's also
0: worth pointing out that back then there were no image boards, right? Like there were no Yeah,
1: that was this is pre-internet.
0: Yes, there were no modern spaces where impressionable people get radicalized. So it was a very different experience.
1: It was. And um I mean, I got out of it when I actually, um, I moved from my small town into, uh, the big city and actually experienced, I guess, multi multiculturalism, you could say. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, it, it pretty much, I I changed almost instantly my, my perspective. So I never went down that road, but I could totally see if I hadn't done that, if I had stayed in my little small ass shit town, then I'd, you know, I'd be a chud right now or one of these alt-right type of people with small perspectives. Anyway, when I really became politically active, I guess was was during 9/11. Um, I remember waking up. I remember being woken up by my, my mother the morning of 9/11 telling me that some planes had hit the World Trade Center and that shit was going down.
0: Yeah, I, I also remember the day of uh, 9/11. Yeah, and that's pretty, that's pretty <laughs> much... I was it wasn't I was like in a barber shop in Moscow. <laughs> my mom, my mom called me and said, "America is under attack." Yeah, that was I mean, that's
1: pretty much the millennial story i guess i mean i never really thought about it before but that's kind of like probably the most defining moment for millennials yeah at least those of us old enough to have been there
0: i'm guessing COVID is gonna be uh this uh the 9-11 for uh <laughs> for zoomers well, not, not even you know you know not even for zoomers like for what is the generation after zoomers
1: um, I don't think we've gotten there yet because Zoomers are yeah. still pretty much going on. And before, like After Zoomers, they're like five years old. They don't give a shit. They don't know.
0: Oh, oh yeah. I guess you're right. So I guess, yeah, COVID
1: is uh,
0: 9-11 for Zoomers.
1: It's <laughs> funny. That actually, that, that's pretty hilarious. And that's actually pretty accurate. This is going to be their defining crisis. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so, I mean, ironically, I had this um, best friend in high school. His name was Steve. And we were both into the same sorts of things, like surface level, uh, edgy Nazism and that kind of shit. And um, we actually turned out, we went on very different paths. I moved to the city, he stayed in this shitty ass small little town. But that's when I kind of, you know, got awoken to the world around me really was 9-11 and the aftermath and the invasion of Iraq. And I don't remember exactly when it happened, but somewhere between 9-11 and the invasion of Iraq, I became bitterly, bitterly anti-American. You know, just because I was lucky enough to benefit from the vast majority of...
0: Oh, you're so noble.
1: <laughs> and um, yeah, like total total white guilt trip, you know. And then I graduated. I got involved uh, on the internet, on the fledgling internet, on uh, boards like Rev Laughter. What really started me out was bo- like gaming boards, gaming uh, messaging boards. I remember Total Annihilation. Lots lots of political... <laughs> <laughs> <Christ>. <laughs> lots of- no, but- That's... That's how modern, ironic, um,
0: millennial politics started.
1: Yeah, the advent of the internet and being able to discuss lots of topics with lots of people before everything went to shit.
0: Just to put things into perspective, how how should I describe it, this modern... Uh, culture of irony posting this modern leftist podcast culture things like chapo trap house and others they originate uh, from cu- from the culture of something awful forums and something awful forums and uh, something awful was founded by a person who used to write for planet quake uh gaming politics uh, these things are all intertwined i guess
1: Yeah, I guess you could say the same for the alt right. Yeah, yeah. They kind of came from a similar place too, like ironic gaming online culture. Gamergate shit, yes. Yeah, and I mean, it all started out as just different people in different posting groups trying to one-up each other and and trigger each other. Okay, let's finish my story. So yeah, um, this is still mainly before the internet. Um, Mm -hmm. I started getting politically involved. I I, uh, graduated from high school and... um, that's when I started posting online, and then eventually it transli- transitioned to some real posting life Posting online. Posting mm. online. It seems, it seems so infantile now. Um, but no, I, I reached out to some actual uh, in real life groups in my area, and thankfully I'm from a... From a or I was in a part of Canada that was is pretty politically active in terms of underground activism. What kind of underground activism? Uh, well, in the city in which I live, there's it, a, a very traditional undercurrent of progressive and i don't know how to apply because it's not always progressive some of it's actually quite reactionary but counterculture movements um whether it's you know um i, I should just come out i guess I, I can't really talk about it without just blurting it out that it's montreal i'm talking about um <laughs> so eventually uh my later teenage teenage years i moved from my small town in rural canada to um the big city of montreal which is ironic since I didn't speak a word of French, but um, the rest of my family's from here.
0: Wait, I remember, I remember years ago you were trying to sell me the idea that you're actually an oppressed minority in Montreal yeah, because, I went because the, you were not
1: of uh, uh, French ancestry. I know, I know. I, that's the poor I, thing. I, I remember that phase that happened for like a couple of weeks where I was like, "Yeah, I'm totally a minority," like, and I, 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 I tried to co-opt being a minority. That's how white I am. <laughs> <laughs> try to steal the cultural badge of minorityism um but no i moved to i moved to the big city um straight right into gay village too so that was like a complete culture shock um started going to the to big city high school and uh actually met a, a black girl who became uh oh yeah uh oh yeah and uh you know we same old story fell in love had a kid blah 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 um oh but that you know that pretty much changed everything i guess that whole experience
0: you got really lucky there because uh when i got exposed to multiculturalism what happened to me was the opposite uh i kind of got pushed towards the right wing i think the reason for that is that is uh, is that i didn't meet a black girl and most of the multiculturalism that we had in russia was a uh, kind of conservative in nature. Basically, there were all kinds of perspectives, but all those perspectives were far
1: right, conservative, borderline fascist. So,
0: mm, mm.
1: yeah. Well, I'd say my 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 quote unquote enlightening um, started happening before that. I'm just trying to remember <clears throat> when I first moved here. What my what how I felt about it. I mostly just hated the French. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, mostly because I was just bitter. I didn't really have a choice for moving here, and uh, I, I kind of, I felt, you know, I felt fucking secluded and alone because I didn't speak French. Uh, I didn't know anyone. I moved, you know, it's fucking six hundred kilometers away from where I'd grown up into this fucking French ass city, and I was pretty bitter about it. But for for some reason. It's still kind of the multiculturalism still kicking in, but it really like it it had started, but the process didn't really i guess finalize until I met that girl and kind of got to experience that people different from me are still people and they have feelings black black girls
0: is how you get into communism
1: yeah, basically <laughs> that was before I became a real life activist and on an online activist in the early days of internet message boards and shit mm-hmm. one of the first things I did was try um join the there was this board called revleft.com i think they're still around i'm going to check yeah i'm checking right now uh, because i know there's a podcast called revleft Revolutionary left radio
0: well yeah there is a board although the last last post is in 2018
1: Yep. Yep, i'm not even i'm not even surprised
0: 90,000 members
1: <laughs> yeah it was pretty much, it was pretty much the first and only real online well-known space for leftist kind of politics, but what it turned out was a fucking popularity contest or um, basically leftists trying to one-up each other about how enlightened their brand of leftism was. Well, that's normal. Yeah, so it's pretty much that. It was pretty much leftist fractionalism in an internet age it was it was a bunch of shit no but i i
0: think i don't think it's a leftist thing the right-wingers are the same they also uh, have uh, internal identity politics
1: yeah that's true but i remember one of the first kind of moments of activism i had was i tried to start i don't, I don't know how to put it a movement an organization um it was called what was it called fuck what was it called it was like Right Watch or something. Well, basically, back, back then, all the rage was like these something watch um, websites. Jihad Watch. Yeah, Jihad Watch. And I tried to do the same thing with uh, the Stormfront message boards. Um, but yeah, that was one of my first, I guess, political activities, you could say, um, before I transitioned to real life. I um, eventually started looking up local organizations, uh, like uh, the local chapters of the Communist Party of Canada. And the Communist Party of Canada, Marxist-Leninist, and the Communist Party of Canada, Maoist, and all this shit. <laughs> and eventually joined one, one of the smaller, more activism-minded. Um, pretty, I'd pretty much already established internally that the election system is a pointless electoralism. I'd pretty much written off electoralism as just. A pointless exercise in. Uh... Instead, you decided
0: that the correct tactic was people's war.
1: Yes, I went straight to <laughs> people's war. I went straight to protect people's war. Um, you skipped vanguardism. Yeah, fuck vanguardism. Vanguardism shit, uh, but yeah, I joined a I joined a Maoist party. How you know, the the Revolutionary Communist Party of Canada organizing committees was their official name? Pretty sure it still is. But um, I joined up with them. Uh, I I did some went on some marches and protests and meetings and all that. And then quickly realized that they're not really accomplishing anything more than the electoralist parties. Less
0: probably. Yeah, yeah
1: probably. Well, I mean, they were out there. I mean, I met Jack Layton. Who is that? Oh, oh yeah. Uh, Jack Layton, uh, pop star, NDP uh, leader of the NDP um, back in the 2010s. No, the 2000s. yeah, I mean, he didn't really accomplish anything on his own, but he was you know, kind of a rock star personality in Canadian politics where everyone liked him, but no one voted for him. He was a pretty cool guy. He, he died of cancer a few years after everyone was sad about that and then and then everyone got over it or whatever. Yeah, I, I quickly realized that going to uh, marches or, or protests with 20 people out in fucking the boonies of Sherbrooke or whatever, or Salary at Valleyfield was pretty, was pretty pointless because no one really cared. I wasn't really accomplishing anything. I didn't feel satisfied. People's war is not intensifying. Well, it wasn't even people's war. Like, they weren't even actually doing anything about war. They were just about people. It, it was still vanguardism. It was still like, let's wait until we have enough support to do anything. But in either case, I just kind of got over it. I had a, I had a, I had a kid. I had a, some personal shit I had to go through. So I kind of just fell out of activism for a while. Focused on uh, escaping life through the medium of video games. Excellent choice. Yeah, which I had done as a hobby for most of my life. But that's when I really decided that living in the real world was torture and... um Decide to escape into video games.
0: You make it sound so dramatic, but (laughs) like actually, I mean, most people's lives are shitty and most people use media to, you know, to make their lives less terrible. Yeah. So it's not really,
1: it's not really escapism. It's just a a normal procedure. Well, no, because yeah, I agree with that, of course. But um, the difference is to what level, to what degree, how much of your actual life you kind of lose i can so i see where
0: you're going with this but at the same time like you were like in your early 20s i'm pretty sure at this
1: point yeah that so, was pretty much my 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 whole 20s was spent on well life. yeah
0: but that's that's how people are in their early 20s they're just miserable yeah <laughs> and,
1: yeah yeah i'm not a, i'm not a special case i'm not a special case that's just yeah. what i went through I, I still, I still remained, um, not really politically active, but politically, uh, opinionated, I guess. My views haven't changed. If anything, my views have become even more extreme. <laughs> so yeah, that's where I'm at now. Um, I've kind of repoliticizing over the past few years, just becoming more involved with where the movement's at now, with where politics are at now.
0: But you haven't been participating in an existing community. Is there anything like that?
1: Uh, not, not actively. Um, I've, I, I lurk, and I occasionally post, no. but I haven't really been active yet. Yeah, me neither. I'm currently uh,
0: trying to get reabsorbed back into the fold of uh, all, all olden forums. It, it's really, this virus, it's, uh, it created some kind of a, a spontaneous time-traveling anomaly. There is a new half-life. There is a new Doom game, and I'm posting on something awful, like it's fucking 2008 or
1: something. Yeah, it's very, very, very interesting times we live. Yeah, I guess it pretty much started since Trump got elected, and I realized that you know anything's on the table now. His election pretty much threw out everything I thought I knew about Bond. Ah, I was,
0: I was a fool on, I was a fool chud back when uh, Trump got elected. Yeah,
1: so I'm a little embarrassed, a
0: little. Embarrassed. <sighs> a little-
1: a little bit. I was. I guess you could say I, I've I've been an accelerationist for most of this time. So Trump's election for me was an opportunity. I think that the bigger effect is, how it is is how leftism is becoming more mainstream. The same way, ironically, that the alt right is becoming more stream, mainstream.
0: Well, it was becoming more mainstream for a while, and then it yeah. just sort of uh, shed itself. And uh, the uh, the most radical elements are definitely. Um successfully suppressed essentially
1: yeah i think um in in many ways uh the 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 right wing kind of establishment the conservative establishment of especially american politics has kind of successfully uh co-opted the alt-right movement well
0: if people like ben shapiro they have managed to successfully uh take advantage of that uh you know uh, uh the resentment of young white males that's, that's true. But uh, the alt-right uh, as a movement itself, it was destroyed by, it wasn't really co-opted, it was crushed by, ironically, by corporations. It turns out that you can't actually, I mean, it's not even clear how effective online activism actually is, but it turns out that you can't do any kind of online activism if you don't have access to social media. And then it turns out that without banks working with you, without payment processors like PayPal working with you, without services like Patreon working with you, you can't pay your activists. You cannot monetize your platform. You cannot support yourself financially. And without those things, large-scale activism doesn't seem to be possible. So right-wing kind of got devoured by twitter by jack fucking dorsey and uh such like people
1: yeah i I agree there but i think there's also the second aspect where um a lot of the steam of of the alt-right movement was also kind of siphoned off and into more mainstream uh avenues like just the um, yes like uh fox news commentary hosts and stuff like that have kind of adopted a lot of a lot of rhetoric and a lot of
0: F- Miles, that's not exactly true because there's only one
1: Fox News host that does that. What's his name? I don't. I don't know. I, all I can, the only Fox News I can think of is fucking Glenn Beck, but he's not even with them anymore, is he? I don't think he was on Fox for like
0: ten years now. <laughs> <laughs> he has his own, uh, like a uh, cult, shitty cult website. Yeah, was it central. Hannity? He's more like a conser- basic bitch conservative. Uh, Tucker Carlson Hi, was. Tucker.
1: I thought he was yeah. a fucking bow tie asshole. Yeah. <laughs> um. No, but I, I'd have to. I I stand by my point. I think I think uh, the 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 establishment right has taken a lot of the steam from the alt right. It's become a bit more mainstream and kind of lost its 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 hard edge.
0: Nuts ball talking points on Tucker. Yeah,
1: and and, uh, and also with Trump in the White House, I guess a lot of a lot of. It's the campaign
0: Trump that had some elements of uh, strasserism, <laughs> but uh, President Trump once he got elected he. Uh... He, again, is just basic bitch, dumb shit, conservican, uh shitty, terrible politics that are not really popular with anybody.
1: Uh, what I'm I'm trying to get at is that a lot of the alt-right base of support has just kind of become Trumpists now. Like, they become Trump's base of support. Instead of marching in Charlottesville, they're just going to Trump rallies. Uh, are they, though? Some people. Someone is.
0: My understanding is that most people who actually organized, uh, people who were behind Charlottesville and such, like, events, they were... They don't have a presence online anymore. Uh, yeah, that's true. Like, for example, Richard Spencer has like a shitty, tiny YouTube channel
1: where he does podcasts.
0: His show. What I'm saying is that uh, his show is not that popular.
1: Yeah, that's what. That's what. That's exactly what I've been saying is that like the the leadership of the alt right movement, the 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 organizers, the the mouthpieces and stuff, have all kind of crumbled away. But they were kind of just on on borrowed support, I guess, to begin with, and all most of that support as far as I know, has just gone to Trump himself, just become part of the establishment, uh, the establishment's base of support. Now they're just voters. Instead of waving tiki torches in Charlottesville, they're going to Trump rallies and going to the the voting booth and posting online. Anyway, back to COVID.
0: Have you been making any COVID related video game purchases since we're all stuck in our homes? Actually, I want I want to talk about this. I am not quarantined. Wait, how do you pronounce this word? Quarantine. Yeah, I am not quarantined. Like at all. In the last few months, I've been racing ahead of the virus, fleeing from one country to another first i went from moscow to nicosia cyprus uh my mom is sending me pictures from moscow with uh empty store shelves like this is perestroika era ussr or some shit. but at least in russia they are taking the disease seriously in cyprus they went into a a complete lockdown you can't uh go outside without a written permission very serious measures. So we went from Cyprus to Minsk, Belarus. And in Belarus, nobody knows anything about the virus. Nobody takes it seriously. The malls are packed with people. Nobody really practice social distancing. All the gyms are still open. So yeah, I'm probably gonna die of coronavirus in fucking belarus (laughs) Uh,
1: how was your COVID experience so far it's pretty much been the same as the as your first two experiences um they've things have been gradually locking down tighter and tighter um for the past couple of weeks uh it started with uh how did it start fuck (laughs) Uh, it started with um shutting down the schools that was the first thing to go Which is ironic because I know even in some places, I think a lot of the United States haven't shut down schools yet. Or what is it? Japan hasn't shut down schools yet. But yeah, that was the first thing to go. Um, That was right after March break as well. I hate being like uh, a plague
0: spreader, I guess. But uh, uh, we're millennials. We're not really in the risk group I'm pretty sure.
1: Yeah, we're not, but it all but I mean we're at the risk of spreading it. That's for damn sure. Yeah. I made the decision to self-isolate because um my girlfriend has had asthma issues her whole life um and my mother especially who I am the primary caretaker of, uh she's had for years now um serious lung issues. They got her on some experimental treatment for the past couple of years, but I remember like last or not not 2019 but 2018, she had to go to the emergency room like 8 or 9 times. So I'm pretty sure if she if she gets this, she's dead. She's gone.
0: Yeah, I'm worried about my parents as well. Yeah, but I mean, nothing you can so do. So
1: I decided to self-isolate, and but I've pretty much had the same experiences. Uh, the first, especially the first week or two, the local Walmart was absolutely insane. Um, entire aisles empty. I haven't been able to get eggs in like three weeks. It's really annoying because I love eggs. I don't think it's particularly because there's a huge shortage of eggs. It's just I've only been out like two times in the past three weeks. And both those times, there were no fucking eggs. There wasn't even bacon.
0: Once uh, we arrived to Belarus, uh, unfortunately, I had to abandon my vegan lifestyle uh, because, well, it's it's very hard to get tofu in Belarus. Oh, <laughs> man, They don't really know what that is. Uh, I went to a local vegetarian store, and I think they had, like, three packs of tofu total and, like, another three in the warehouse. Jesus. So, yeah... I have to become a disgusting meat eater.
1: Oh. At least temporarily. Remember your, um, remember your, what was that, the prehistoric, uh, diet phase you went through? What was that called? Oh, uh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you. I remember that. <laughs> yes,
0: I, I went through a phase. Whatever. <laughs> it's not a fad, okay? It's, it's an eth- Veganism is an ethical choice.
1: Uh huh. Yeah, for sure it is. I mean, I, I would love to become vegan, but, uh, there's no such thing as ethical consumption under capitalism, as they say. So, but yeah, um, so things have been in lockdown here. Uh, they've started getting pretty uh, heavy handed. Uh, just last week, um, they shut down pretty much all public spaces. Malls are closed. All non grocery stores basically are closed, although the liquor store is still open. All restaurants have been ordered closed, but they can still do delivery.
0: President Trump is, uh, I think, the intention is to open up, to start opening up. Like two weeks from now or something?
1: Yeah, I don't think that's very... I don't think that's going to happen. And if it does, it's going to be a fucking bloodbath. It's not... It, we haven't stopped the spread. The spreading has yeah. started to just just start slow down, maybe. Like, we're not even over the curve yet. And people talking about lifting, the, lifting uh, isolation.
0: Even if we are over the curve, this still means that uh, tens of thousands uh, dead... In U.S. alone, I'm pretty sure. Oh,
1: it's going to be hundreds. Of, they they already they've already hit ten thousand, and it's just going to keep growing exponentially. They're going to hit four hundred thousand infected.
0: I feel I feel so guilty because uh, I spent like two hours every day, six days per week, in the gym. C- uh, I'm scrolling uh, c spam uh, section on something awful and reading about how people can't can't exit their house. They're trapped. They're locked.
1: They're going slowly, going insane. Yeah. Um. Don't feel bad because it's gonna come there. I think Belarus. Yeah. Yeah. I think Belarus doesn't really have much of a an international uh travel undercurrent. Uh, I mean, is it really an international travel destination? No. It's uh, eastern. It's an Eastern European backwater yeah so i don't think it's gonna come it's just gonna take slower in some places than others but well i'm just gonna i'm just gonna flee
0: somewhere else i've been fleeing for, from the <laughs> virus for a long time i'm just gonna escape to to moscow or well, something eventually somewhere. you're
1: just gonna have to go to china you're just gonna have to go to some place <laughs> that have gotten over the curve yes because it's gonna be you're gonna run out of places to hide pretty soon yes um but yeah no um i think actually the uh The the estimate of tens of thousands of dead in the the states is pretty pretty conservative. I mean, even the government's own projections are hundreds of thousands. If safety guidelines are followed precisely, it's still going to be hundreds of thousands. And it's not going to be. It's not going to be. Like, there are some states that have not shut down yet. They've not gone on lockdown or they've made stupid exemptions. Like, what was it? I forget how many it was, but a not insignificant number of states have decided to keep church services open.
0: Yeah, I, I have read about that. Fucking megachurches.
1: Yeah. Trying to murder Americans again. That's pretty much all they do. And at the, on the one hand, like <laughs> yes. it's horrible. Like millions of people are probably going to die. On the other hand... It's mostly going to be those people who are dying, to be honest.
0: I would love to make jokes about boomer genocide and so on and so forth, but unfortunately, yeah, the boomer remover. Unfortunately, a lot of people who will die will not be boomers.
1: Yeah, and that's the point. Is like everyone. I mean, even yeah. for you and me, we're pretty safe because of our age. We're we're still pretty young. Mm-hmm, but safe. it's not about us. It's more about like who we will infect. Yeah. And our role in in helping spread it. Like everyone has to pretty much stay the fuck home, or it's gonna spread. And it, and it is. Yes, yeah.
0: To make a parallel between this event at 9-11, back when 9-11 happened, you had this uh, excitement that you are a witness in history. Yeah. And this is uh, the kind of excitement that I have now. Kind of distasteful to talk about this, probably, but I know that after this is all done, things are not going to be the same again. Certain kind of politics uh, will become certainly more mainstream american attitudes towards healthcare will probably change
1: yeah um on the one hand i agree with you things are going to change i mean mo- a lot of countries including canada are starting to at least in part implement uh things like ubi a universal basic income yeah and yeah. once that go- once that goes into place like that's going to change the landscape of, of of did you get your c- canadian freak free money um, yeah, uh, applications actually started this week. Um, so uh, so far, I haven't done it yet. I'm I'm waiting towards the end of the week, but I am definitely going to be doing that, and I'll see how it goes. To to go back to what I was saying, the second part is like you you saying that American attitude towards healthcare will change. American attitude towards healthcare is already supportive. Like it was what 60s, 70 percent or something like that um, of people. Uh, this will this
0: might help it to to push it over the certain yeah. threshold.
1: Yeah yeah it was it was it was it was interesting watching in real time the uh the sabotage and destruction of um the progressive movement in the in in america i like
0: the drama in the previous primary a lot more hillary versus uh, versus bernie that was funny that was pretty funny uh, two primaries ago uh fuck I, I mean i was just barely aware of all this but in uh two thousand and eight there was all kinds of hysterical drama between Obama, Obama's team, and
1: Hillary's team.
0: Yeah, I think that they actually invented birtherism.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think so. That's what I've heard. I don't, I don't. I wasn't. I was only, you know, partially aware of what was going on too, because I was in the middle of a.
0: My understanding of politics back then was on like fucking South Park level.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I was more—that was, was when I was locally involved and was more interested in factory closures and in Quebec and all that shit, rather than American politics, what I'd just written off and wasn't really paying attention to. But I don't know. I think this this primary cycle has had its own uh, its own special character, its own special flavor. That well, it's not over yet. You know, uh, maybe Biden will fucking die. Yeah, there's that chance. There's that chance. But I mean, uh, I don't know. There's a conspiracy theory on on, on Chapo not really conspiracy theory but the idea that uh liberals are already grooming uh, Cuomo he you know he sort of like
0: has this impression of competence around
1: him yeah and that's that's pretty much all liberals need because i mean if you look at his actual policies and what he's done the past few years like he's gutted uh New York's Medicare medicare system uh he he he, he led to a lot of the problems that they're having right now but he's being held as a saint and a hero because he talks a good talk, and that's pretty much all you need to win over liberals respectability yeah respectability and like just making them feel good about themselves oh i'm I'm not a bad person, I don't have to change anything because this person's coming along to make things right, and so I'll just support them <sighs> yeah um, but it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting election cycle and when the general gets start, starts coming around, I'm pretty sure trump's gonna win he's pretty much got that in the bag unless unless things really
0: he enjoyed uh, the rating increase yeah. because of this crime.
1: Yeah, he bragged about, about how many views his his uh, coronavirus, uh, what's the word, interview, um, press press conferences are gone. Even though, you know, just like a few weeks ago, he was essentially a coronavirus
0: truther. Yeah. Fucking drama. Uh, speaking of funny uh, conspiracy shit. Uh, This is from The Verge website. 5G phone masks are being set alight in the UK after online conspiracy theories have misleadingly linked the cell towers to the coronavirus pandemic. Like many conspiracy theories and disinformation campaigns, Russia may well be at the heart of the 5G scares. While a large number of Facebook groups have been fueling these theories recently, a New York Times report from last year warned that Russian disinformation campaigns were actively exploiting 5G health fears. RT America, a Russian government-funded TV network, aired a report more than a year ago in which an RT reporter claimed 5G might kill
1: you. When I first heard about that story, I totally thought it was just a clickbait.
0: It was a clickbait bullshit, I'm pretty sure.
1: In this Facebook group that I'm in, the local Facebook group, someone posted that shit um uh, calling on all Canadians to demand that uh, 5G be be fucking canceled um until studies determine that it's safe and that shit that was in my like my local ass group um for you know my local area
0: i've seen 5G fears in uh, various q and on facebook groups they had a lot of that crap going on yeah
1: yeah they they seem i mean i don't even know what to say i i don't understand i mean i do kind of understand conspiracy theorists like i've known paranoid people in real life and i, I used to my my next-door neighbor when i lived in uh, in montreal when i last lived in montreal used to um he he was convinced that the cops were out to get him were out to frame him for everything um i remember we went fishing one time and um this like little 12-year-old girl was on a path ahead of us and she ducked into some bushes or some shit and he started going on about how the cops or how someone the police had sent her to seduce him probably in order to get him in trouble. Yeah, it was that kind of shit. Like nothing nothing happened. Like we, we barely saw her. She was up ahead the path. We had her fishing poles walking to our fishing spot. And um, yeah, he was like, oh, you'll, oh, look, they sent, a, they, sent a, they sent a girl to to try to get me in trouble. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? He was, um, <laughs> this other time he was telling me about how he saw this daycare. Um, you know, I don't know if this is a phenomenon in, in Russia, but here in, in Canada, daycares will uh, basically tie up a bunch of babies together and walk them down the street.
0: So they don't run away? Yeah,
1: so they don't run away. Um. He was telling me how he saw one of these processions of babies going by and, and a couple of the babies fell. And uh, according to his version of events, the daycare worker started yelling at him in his yard, like 30 feet away, trying to blame he him. He probably
0: was staring at children.
1: No I, no, I think he probably saw children falling down. And then in his paranoid mind, um, he thought that, that was done purposely in order to try to get him in trouble, in order to try to blame him for it. So that was his whole thing, where he always thought that people were trying to blame him and get him in trouble and get him deported because he was he was uh, he was from uh, where was he from? Uh, Dominican Republic. He he
0: is he's probably into QAnon now. Probably, probably. All these people they kind of tend to congregate into the great and one hundred percent truthful QAnon
1: conspiracy yeah. theory. I mean, that's 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 my theory. Is that? Um, I mean, conspiracy theories have always been around, but back in the day, they used to just be like a, like a funny thing you'd see on the History Channel
0: they're evolving they're becoming more and more complicated and they're absorbing they're absorbing other conspiracies into like a larger conspiracy i like it
1: yeah well i mean consp- people with you know fucked up ideas can go on the internet now and find other people with fucked up ideas and like they can merge their fucked up ideas and it grows and evolves now
0: they can proliferate yeah uh, their content on social media and get rewarded with dopamine
1: and i remember i was i watched this um this video on youtube about this guy talking about flat earth and basically, he said that flat earthers and people with conspiracy theories, maybe well, except the ones actually suffering from some kind of mental health issues, a lot of them don't actually really probably believe what they say they believe, but they just like the feeling of being an outsider. Of you know that they're in a, a movie fighting, you know that they're Matrix, that they're Neo in the Matrix.
0: Like a fantasy.
1: Yeah, it's a fantasy to them that they're that they're role playing, not that they actually honestly believe it and then of course there's the ones that don't believe it but they get clicks and views and add revenue and turn it into a business model
0: i was watching a stream of some nazi uh interviewing interviewing uh a man and a wife i think they might have even been uh, just a boyfriend and a girlfriend living together they were pretty young and they uh they were flat earthers and they went on uh, to explain how um I mean, what what proof do you have that the Earth isn't flat? All your proof you got from Jew sources, from <laughs> Jewish Zionist zog sources like NASA, and they cannot be trusted. And they went went uh, on on a considerable length to try to explain and legitimize their views like that. I was fucking shocked. That's like like if you see people like that in a TV show, you would th- you would dismiss them as being unrealistic, but. Here it is that kind of shit exists in real life, and um, yeah, not not really sure how to internalize that.
1: Yeah, I don't know either. I I've seen this a video of this um this flat earther go to like a, his local elementary school, and start screaming at children in the schoolyard about how they're being lied to. This is it the channel Red Pill Truth? I don't know. I I saw it was it was a clip from some other video that I was that I was watching, but it's like. I don't know. I think they, they work themselves up in their like echo chambers and their, their self fueled perpetual motion machines where they all just yes. kind of egg each other further and further on until like it just consumes them. And they think that going to a school and screaming at children about how the world is a lie is a good rational idea.
0: Speaking, speaking of uh, Chad's, Boris Johnson was hospitalized.
1: Yeah, not, not just hospitalized, but in the ICU now
0: a couple names their newborn twins corona and covid uh,
1: where where did this happen let me see uh india yeah it's uh india i'm actually surprised it hasn't happened in the states yet i'm actually shocked that's not cuz i at first i was like is this about this i mean it's got to be about Some stupid couple in America.
0: I remember reading these stories uh, about couples naming their kids like Dovakin or some shit like that. (laughs) Pat Robinson has worked out what caused the coronavirus oral sex with women. Not men? No. Some of these youngings are doing all kinds of unnatural things with their sex organs, said Robertson. Uh Robertson is uh, an American televangelist, I think.
1: Is that is this who he is? Yeah.
0: He's like a Christian crank.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's pretty much a televangelist.
0: Yeah. When people do that, they transfer all kinds of chemicals from ladies' private parts, and that's where I think the virus came from. <laughs>
1: Chemicals, Jesus! What kind of oral has he been having? Uh, No, I'm I'm surprised he didn't blame it on on the gays, like most other people have done.
0: We never had this kind of thing when I was coming up, but no one was committing oral sex back then.
1: Pretty sure they weren't. Maybe he just saw, like, read a headline real quick where they're talking about how, like, wet markets. How the virus appeared in Chinese wet markets. Oh, maybe oh. maybe he got confused with what a wet <laughs> yes. market is.
0: I can, I can see that wet market. Yes. Oh god.
1: <laughs> okay, so my turn. According to uh, the earliest article I can see is from Al Arabiya uh, News Network. Uh, mm-hmm. ISIS has issued a ironic travel warning for its fighters to avoid Europe. <laughs> That's the last thing I expected, but it also makes perfect
0: sense.
1: (sighs) ISIS. And in the process of looking up that article, I found out that um, ISIS has actually been really proactive in warning um, its members about the dangers of coronavirus, how they can avoid it, you know, proper hygiene practices, keeping distances. I don't know if they've closed mosques.
0: (laughs) ISIS healthcare.
1: Yeah, I don't know if they've closed mosques in the caliphate, but uh, I just thought that was ironic that ISIS, of all people, Wait, wait a second. I'm i I'm thinking about this. Isn't
0: that stupid, though? Because most ISIS fighters are actually very young, right? Yeah. So they have crazy immunity. They, they, they're not really in any danger. Well, no. What they should have done instead is get infected on purpose and then go around European countries and infect other people.
1: You'd think so. But it turns out that ISIS is doing the more responsible thing of <laughs> trying to limit... The spread of the virus in the world. And um, I was reading about in their, in their newsletter, they actually, while they did, of course, admit that the coronavirus um, was an act of God against China for its treatment of Muslims, they also said that because the world is so interconnected that everyone has to do what they can to, to try and stop or slow down the spread. Another nation that I am
0: kind of semi-worried about is Ukraine. Because, like, the state of their healthcare and the organization, like, uh, how competent is their government? How good is their healthcare? How good is, like, the health of average
1: Ukrainian? Honestly, if you think about it, um, there is no treatment for coronavirus yet. There's no vaccine. There's no 100% treatment that works. Um, It's pretty much, if you get it, chances are you'll get sick, and there's a small chance you'll get really sick, and... If you get really sick, you basically have a fifty-fifty of surviving or not, and that's pretty much universal, with with some you know variation. So I don't think the the level of med- medicinal advancement in any given country is really going to affect it. It's going to be about how serious they are about trying to contain it, um, how serious the people themselves are, how how much they're being informed, or how much they're being, in China's case, controlled to to, to prevent the spread. That's going to be the real mitigating factor.
0: Uh, Miles, I'm sure that the general health uh, of a person like factors in a lot, right? Like,
1: yeah, yeah, of course. But like I said, if um, you
0: have if you have a country of cigarette smokers with like <laughs> high rates of cigarette smoking, then
1: yeah, definitely, that's probably not good. Yeah, definitely, they're going to be hit hard. Um, I'm just saying, I don't think it. I don't think like look at the United States, the richest country on earth, and they're 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 getting absolutely decimated we're going to have to wait and see because so far it's all it's all the developed countries that seem to be being hit being hit the hardest. I mean, if you go to that uh the worldometers.info website, all the the highest deaths, um there's USA, Spain, Italy, France, Germany, China, and then Iran, and then the United Kingdom and it's like it's it's the G7 countries that are getting hit the hardest by this apparently.
0: It's possible that it's just their data is uh the, is more transparent.
1: Yeah, it could be. It could be that um not even just transparent but there's just more of it like india
0: it's probably both Uh, the governments are more transparent and they're better at collecting information
1: it's actually going to be really interesting on the, the the science of virology and all of that that's gonna that's going to advance in the the wake of all this
0: a lot of people are stuck in their homes Uh, Everybody is watching Netflix and everybody is playing video games. Steam has been uh, shattering its own uh, user records. I'm looking at statistics for 7th of April 2020. Uh, There were almost 24 million concurrent Steam users just a few hours ago. Steam as a service has more than one billion accounts. It's crazy popular. A significant percentage of humanity is using Steam, and around a hundred million accounts are uh, actually active users that use the service regularly. So, uh, are you going to be getting uh, Half-Life, Alex?
1: I I am. Um, I just uh, contributed to the economy by buying uh, a uh last week and it should be here tomorrow and i plan on playing it um my first real foray into vr oh i have uh we've had the psvr in the past but i I wanted to take it to uh, another level with an actual vr headset i'm looking forward to it uh i've i've seen some videos read some reviews watched some playthroughs
0: yeah, me too. I got I got completely spoiled. Uh, I watched Angry Joe's review, but the spoiler, the ending was phenomenal.
1: Yeah, yeah, the way they pulled it off. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit jaded. Um, I'm I'm worried. I'm, I'm tempering my hype with uh, knowing I, I I vividly remember how long it's been since episode two came out.
0: It's been a million fucking years. It has been,
1: and I remember, like for years after. Like I think it was released 2008 um, in the orange box, um, which was like the best deal ever in history of video games.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Because 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 the orange box had three fucking games in it, and every single one of those games essentially revolutionized the uh, their respective subgenre of. uh, first person shooters it did it did, and then they, they were the best of the best they they're still being played and they're still culturally significant to this day. what the fuck yeah and
1: the fucking orange box it actually like it actually was priced below triple a level or something yeah it was a it was a bargain it was a bargain, and it did pretty much change everything and I guess you know it's completely understandable why steam never why valve rather never continued with the half life story because how the fuck could they top that?
0: Yeah, how do they top that? In fact, that's what Gaben said in an interview, is that he, I think they see Half-Life series as like this, you know, flagship of game design and technology. Yep. But how the fuck are you supposed to top Orange Box?
1: Apparently, uh, with with
0: Alex. (laughs) And apparently, it actually sort of semi-worked, which was uh, bizarre. I had zero interest in it. Until I saw that uh Angry Joe review and he called it like the best VR game he ever played.
1: Yep. That's pretty much what everyone's saying. If you if you believe the hype, um it's it's gonna revolutionize VR as as a platform. Unfortunately I haven't played it yet. I, I will reserve my judgment. I'm trying to, like I said, temper temper the hype uh, because I don't want to have my heart broken by by Valve again. But Aww, again.
0: <laughs> but um what was the last real game that they made? A real game, not not just some uh, multiplayer shit. Uh, it was Portal 2, I think. Yeah,
1: it would have been Portal 2. It, it was
0: actually really good. Portal 2 was really good.
1: It was. It was. It was a great game. Um, mm. What they did with the co-op, uh, the co-op sessions or the co-op levels was really good. Actually,
0: you know, co-op was a classic Valve gimmick that didn't really work <laughs> because... Uh... I mean, it's just something that you play once and uh, never again.
1: Yeah, but I mean, it's better than what most uh, most AAA games will come out as a as a gimmick co op mode. Yeah, it was basically
0: a whole second game inside the inside the Portal Two box. Yeah, uh, that's what it
1: was. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I wouldn't call it a full game, but it would be one of those like you know thirty dollar range.
0: I mean, you know, uh, a standard length of a AAA shooter is like fucking six or seven hours or some shit like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. And Portal multiplayer was around six or seven hours. Well, maybe maybe like five, six hours if you're stupid like me.
1: Yeah. Um. But it was it was a lot of fun. Um. How they managed to to make co-op uh pretty a pretty unique experience. Yes. Um. Like most most AAA co op gimmick add ons are some kind of variation on endless swarms of enemies and holding out as long as you can or very simplistic kind of designs. But they actually had pretty unique puzzle solving and entertaining experience.
0: And there was even like a story there, if I remember correctly, in some character development for GLaDOS. Yeah. Um, it was just really fucking good. Uh, and it's sort of sort of ironic that when Portal 2 was released, a lot of uh, media personalities, journalists, they were saying that, yeah, it's a great game, but it's missing something compared to Portal 1 missing some of its elegance or some shit like that and looking back at that looking back at that now it's just fucking crazy because if only we knew back then that this would be like the last valve game we'll get for fucking decade we would probably have been more charitable towards it
1: yeah i think so too um in hindsight it's a pretty damn good game on its own i think pretty much the only thing it had it doesn't have that portal one had was the novelty of experience pretty much yes
0: it also recycled some of the jokes in like fucking unfun shitty way like
1: co- yeah. the companion cube. yeah yeah some of that was a, a little bit of forced humor a little bit of forced <laughs> it's, uh... it's been
0: 10 years since the fucking companion cube, but it still makes me mad every time. <laughs> <laughs>
1: every
0: time every time I find a mention of it
1: online because yeah. the fucking nerds they, they really ruined that joke oh no for me it was the cake is a lie that oh, oh fucking cake I fucking repressed the memory of this <laughs> the cake this. is a lot of fucking 14-year-old girls fucking regurgitating that fucking joke like they're the smartest fucking person on the planet a million times over i've just <sighs> I, I can't handle Fuck. it anymore just like fucking arrow to the e even 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 the entirety of fucking rick and morty pickle rick like that that was so fucking- pickle rick is funnier it is
0: i got exposed to pickle rick from memes and i thought it was like meme accelerationism or some shit it's like so not funny <laughs> So that it will kill the phenomenon of memes itself. But then I actually watched uh, the entire season of *Freak and Morty* while running on a treadmill, and I thought it was a pretty good episode.
1: Yeah, it was. Um, in the context of you know knowing who Rick is and and everything that's going on, it's it's hilarious. Um, yeah. But it's just being so overdone, and I think in <laughs> yes. another five years, it's going to take the the place of uh of the cake as the fucking lie.
0: Do you think memes can come back?
1: Do you think that
0: we can go full circle and get back to the cake is a lie? And
1: I don't know. Do you think we can go to all your base are belong to us or some shit? I think so. I think, I mean, the context of the meme will change, but I think they can come back. Like all your base, classic, classic meme. Classic.
0: Um, by the way, All Your Base was popularized by Something Awful Goons. It was one of many war crimes that SA goons have unleashed upon humanity.
1: Uh-huh. Humble brag
0: more. Jesus. A reminder that Something Awful Goons accidentally got Trump elected. That actually happened. <laughs> because? because what, what was his name? John Smith? The fucking EVE Online logistics slash diplomacy guy.
1: Oh yeah, um,
0: uh, died in Benghazi, creating a huge international scandal, yeah. destroyed Hillary's reputation, creating a huge anti rating. So eventually, she could be in, she could be destroyed by fumbling idiot President Trump.
1: Yeah, pretty much so. the only person. <laughs> the only person who could possibly <laughs> lose to Trump, with the possible exception of Joe motherfucking Biden. What's like the
0: statistics on that? I thought the presidents are almost always re-elected. Or am I am I being stupid?
1: No, I think you're right. Um I think uh
0: You know, maybe I'm just a stuck in Vlad Putin
1: mindset. No, no, you're you're totally right. I mean it's is it's far more likely that a president wins a second term. I don't remember yeah. here. Let, let, let let's let's look it up. One term presidents. Um there have been one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven? uh presidents that have only served for one full term. Although this doesn't this doesn't mention if any of them will willfully or or dropped out on their own accord or didn't run for reelection. Um but yes yeah. George H. W. Bush was uh was was the last one, in fact. Oh well, fuck him. Um
0: shit president. He was. Um uh, so back to back to VR chat yeah. uh for, for a quick second. I'm looking at uh survey from well, it says here it's on PC Gamer. This is uh, from four days ago. It says around one million Steam users own a PC VR headset.
1: Yeah, I was—I I, actually—I uh, was surprised. Yeah, me too. I read that uh, about a week ago too, and I, I was surprised about that too. It's—it's—it's it's, it's more more common than I thought. Um, yes,
0: it's an impressive number. I mean, it's still less than two percent of, uh, you know. Uh, all Steam accounts, but it doesn't really matter because the absolute number of accounts is so huge that it's still, uh, uh, I guess, a sizable market.
1: Yeah, and apparently um, PlayStation has sold uh, 5 million uh, Yeah, that's crazy. PSVR insane, units actually. as of the beginning of this year. Yeah, I didn't realize it was that high either. On the one hand, um, VR is very expensive, especially if you factor in, for PC at least, um, how much you need to spend on a good PC.
0: This is the reason why I never experienced VR, just because I just fuck paying so much for... Well, here's the reason why I never experienced VR. I actually have a pretty coherent sort of like philosophy of all that, of all this. Uh, Back when Oculus Rift started shipping the first kits or sets or whatever the fuck they're called, I went to uh, Steam statistics page, which Steam has. It's steampower.com/stats slash or some some shit like that, right? Yeah. So you can go you can go to that page, and it lists uh, top 100 most played games on Steam currently. The second most played, uh-huh. not the most copies sold, not the most microtransaction money earned or anything like that. Just most played. If you go through the list quickly, find. Uh, out that, for example, in top 20, something like 10 or 15 of these games are actually what I would call um, non-abstract immersive experiences, right? It's it's games like Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, Grand Theft Auto, uh, Siege, uh, Rust, fucking Team Fortress 2, uh, War Thunder or something, uh, Euro Truck Simulator. These are experiences that are theoretically could be compatible with uh, a VR headset, right? Am I right or am I right? The implication of all this is that people like playing games that can be potentially adopted for VR use. Yeah. I thought like I remember this was like years ago I remember looking at the stats and thinking well clearly this means that VR will be popular it will conquer the gaming culture uh, but it's ironically was also the reason why I personally was not interested in VR at all because uh, I'm the kind of uh, idiot who likes abstract strategy games and RPGs like Under Rail, old Fallouts uh, Crusader Kings 2 so these experiences are in fact not compatible with VR you can go so far as to say that if you introduce VR into a paradox game, you will actually actively make it shittier. Uh, fast forward into the present, and nothing dramatically changed uh, about uh, uh, gaming culture. I'm currently looking at the the same stats page, and some of the same t- titles are actually still <laughs> in this t- top twenty, top thirty list. Yeah,
1: and none of them none of them are VR titles. No, basically. Um. So I have I have two thoughts about that. Um, well, first, I'm looking at the stats list as well. Um, there's some things I didn't expect. Um, Terraria? Yeah, Terraria is is crazy popular and influential, dude. Yeah, that's... I mean, Rust? I thought Rust died years ago, but it's... Yeah, it's like what number the seven. fuck,
0: dude?
1: Remember we were playing beta of that shit yeah, game? Yeah, and it was... I mean, it was a nice gimmick, but it wasn't... It gets even crazier if you
0: scroll a little bit... Uh, towards the middle war thunder is still being actively played world of tanks blitz which is a phone version of world of tanks has
1: more players than arma 3 yeah what the fuck i mean the elder scroll (laughs) i had no idea that thirty-four thousand people played the elder scrolls online
0: yeah it's uh uh i mean i'm pretty sure world of warcraft is still the most popular out of the uh, conventional mmos oh yeah usually but this is one this is the second most popular one uh, especially since I I think most people don't play it through Steam.
1: Yeah, I'm just trying to find the other cuz uh Skyrim Special Edition is at 20,000. Where's the other? Where's normal Skyrim? I saw it a second ago. Uh
0: normal Skyrim is 13,000. Okay.
1: So, yeah, yeah. So that's like 30 so that's 33,000. That'd be that'd be top 20. Yeah. If uh you if you count all versions of Skyrim So yeah, it is. Oh shit,
0: dude. I wonder if EVE Online is on the list. EVE? Nope.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Of course it's not. Fuck you. I tried playing that a couple of years ago again. They've gone since they went free to play. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I don't want to get addicted. No. Um, But yeah, the second second point was in terms of VR. Um, There's been a couple of little developments over the past couple of years. Um, Last year uh, I guess, was the second generation release of VR um, with Oculus releasing the Rift S and mm. Vive releasing the, uh, or HTC releasing the Vive Pro. Um, the Rift S Smashing Success is now the number one uh, headset um, on Steam. Um, Vive Pro, from what I saw of that graph, Vive, the Vive Pro isn't even on the graph. It's not even in the top five.
0: Mm. Look at this. I found a VR game in the, in the list. It's oh, yeah? called VR Chat.
1: Oh, fucking VR chat. Oh, my God. Uh,
0: there used to be like a Doom spinoff game in VR, and there used to be a Wolfenstein spinoff game, I think, in VR. I have never seen any mention of either one of those games ever since they got released. Yeah. What the fuck happened?
1: I'm not even sure. I don't even know what you're talking about. Also, Alex isn't on this list, is it?
0: Yeah, but that's, that's understandable uh, because it's, it's not a multiplayer game. This list is actually heavily biased towards multiplayer games. Yeah. There are obviously very successful titles like, I don't know, Call of Duty or like Battlefield or shit like that, and they will never be on a list such as this one purely because uh, uh, these are relatively short experiences. Although, wait, yeah. what the fuck am I saying? These are multiplayer games as well. Oh, whatever.
1: It doesn't matter. I'm just stupid. Well, and they're also not on Steam. <laughs>
0: I, found, I found Doom. It's called Doom. VFR.
1: Oh, virtual fucking reality.
0: Yes. Recent reviews mixed, all reviews mixed.
1: Yeah. Uh, I totally forgot that existed. I guess it sucked dick. Yeah. Um, I but no. think so. So yeah, um, like I was saying, the two major, well, the two major minor developments in VR was the release of, of, of Gen 2 um, headsets last year. And also, um, I forget exactly when, but Skyrim and Fallout VR, at least for me personally, are what really wanted me to try VR. Um, yeah, that's what I, I thought. Yeah, and I, and I, I that's kind of like what you were saying. I mean, there there are tons of VR games, but none of them are really very popular. Um, the most popular VR games, or at least the most well known, are probably VR remakes of of popular games like Skyrim and Fallout Four. And that's
0: well. You see, the thing is, the thing is, a game like Skyrim can actually be improved by VR.
1: Yeah, it definitely. You can do yeah. like fun gameplay. The yeah. stuff with uh, i mean with i only played it on the ps4 so that was you know shitty low quality and no mods or anything so. oh
0: you couldn't play with a uh, skyrim
1: requiem that actually makes this game good no no um not yet anyway that's I'm, I'm planning on it that's part of the reason why i wanted to get the pc version because i also play yeah so i played skyrim vr and uh, no man's sky vr on the ps4 and um mm-hmm. they were fucking good even though they're actually terrible um but they're really my first real VR gaming experience. Um, And they were, for what they were, they were fucking amazing.
0: But look, explain something to me. While in a headset, you are more tolerant towards shitty graphics.
1: Yeah, because from my experience at least, was even though Skyrim VR on the PS4, uh, the graphics were absolutely shitty. Um, But I still had the experience of being there. It was like I was in a room made of fucking paper mache and and shitty props designed to look like Skyrim, but I was still there. And that mm, I've never experienced this. You should. I'm a VR in You you should. I'm I mean everyone should honestly, but the price the, the price tag is pretty is pretty steep. Yeah, yeah. Like basically there's no way to get a VR uh, experience without spending a minimum of a thousand dollars.
0: Yeah, I, I have to spread a lot of fake news on behalf of Belarusian government, uh, you know, in order to afford that. Yeah,
1: hopefully, um, uh, hopefully they can pay you well enough in Belarusian rubles. Yeah, so you probably need like four hundred thousand. Actually, um, one Belarusian
0: ruble is half of a US dollar, oh, really? so it's not. Uh, yeah, it's not that. It's not like Russian rubles. Oh, okay. Where it's you need like sixty. You feel like your currency is worth something, even though it's really not.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, pretty much the same in the, in, in Canada. Our, our dollar is always worth about 60 to 70 US cent. Ah, CAD. Yep, good old CAD. CAD. Anyway, um, yeah, apparently last week or something, uh, Gabe Newell had an interview where basically saying where he thinks the Matrix is about 10 years out in terms of technological capability of being able to interface directly uh, with your brain in a VR setting and essentially creating a...
0: Well, uh, if, if he is talking about experimental technology, maybe. maybe, yeah. but I mean, it seems... Yeah. It's just VR itself didn't really develop. It's actually kind of funny because there's this famous Bill Gates quote, people always overestimate how much technology will change our lives in five years and always underestimate how much it will change our lives in 10. I'm paraphrasing. I think he was more elegant than that. But uh, at the same time, looking back 10 years ago, 2010, what kind of tech did we, do we have now that we didn't have in 2010 when it comes to video game technology specifically? I think the only thing that really changed, really changed, was of course VR became more popular, but probably more importantly, all those super advanced uh, video game engines became more widespread and more you know, affordable. Some of them are even completely free. Construct 2 Unity, Unreal 4. Uh, yeah. Everybody has access to super advanced engines that are very easy to use. Uh, but that's also an invisible kind of thing, right? Because an average gamer doesn't really understand these nuances.
1: Yeah, technology-wise, no. But I think the, the biggest change that's happened in gaming in the past 10 years has been the rise of indie gaming.
0: Well, that's kind of like what yeah, I'm saying though, exactly. because the reason why indie game got this push was because of engines
1: like Unity. Yep. And the ease um the ease that independent developers can make and release their own games for much cheaper than Triple than A blockbusters. And at the same time, triple A blockbusters have They haven't really changed that much. Um
0: they've kind of been I mean, we still get, like, you know, a Call of Duty game every year. Yeah, but, I mean,
1: uh, you you could argue that the amount of effort they're putting into it, uh, into AAA games, has been lessening?
0: I think it's not even the effort. It's just they got into, like, this comfortable place where a lot of modern AAA games, they're very obviously committee designed. Yeah. Sort of like how every single Ubisoft game has elements of every single other Ubisoft game. They're like constructed out of prefab assets. Well, not, not, not literal prefab assets, but like, you know, pre-designed parts. Every one of these fucking games has a tower you need to climb. Yeah.
1: They're very, uh, it's like they, they, they have the same base. template. A crafting system, a very superficial
0: crafting yeah. system, right? Yeah.
1: So they've kind of, uh, in a capitalist mode of production. I mean, capitalism is all about increasing profitability, uh, cutting corners, cutting, trimming fat. Um, a lot of games uh, over the past ten years have been kind of shedding features in order to concentrate on more core elements.
0: That's absolutely certainly true, and unfortunately, some of those features are the ones that defined our childhoods. Yeah, you know, real-time strategy games are basically extinct now, yeah. pretty much. Pretty much. Uh, the gameplay of an arena shooter, uh, the you know, the tactics, the uh, the core gameplay loop of an arena shooter is something that is well semi extinct there is Doom Eternal but it plays like it plays nothing
1: like old games do you mean uh, and doesn't even have do you mean um by a re- arena shooter like when you were first talking about arena shooter i mean i mean like quake like quake okay okay
0: there was you know there was a, re- a relatively recent quake game uh quake champions it was called and it failed spectacularly <laughs> nobody wants to play that shit yeah younger gamers zoomers they f- find this gameplay loop to be completely
1: unappealing
0: and most people who grew up playing quake they i mean they're probably just too old their reflexes are just <laughs> fucking terrible yeah, now. like I,
1: I i almost i've almost completely given up on playing anything competitive because i just can't handle it anymore like i'm i'm in my mid-30s <laughs> now and i i'm a fucking old man
0: games like cod you know they are better vessels for capital expansion yeah They're easier to play. They're easier to learn. They don't have fucking stupid, weird arena shooter mechanics where you have to jump while moving, while holding a strafe button and looking slightly to the side to intentionally bug out the game engine so you can move even faster. And you have like fucking, and you have like this weird arena experience where a bunch of space marines are jumping around at insane fucking sublight speeds. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, this is just it's It's very hard to explain to a person who has never experienced an arena shooter why arena shooters are good, yeah, <laughs> but at the same time when you see a screenshot from a call of duty game, even a person who has never who has never played any kind of video game before any kind of game, he can just look at this process of what at what's happening on the screen and immediately understand its core gameplay loop,
1: yeah. So,
0: obviously, games like that will sell really well.
1: Yep. You know, an interesting game that I think uh, what kind of died prematurely or was never as popular as it could have been was Titanfall. I think that bored a lot of elements. Oh, that's a great game. Yeah, I think that bored a lot of arena elements of bouncing off walls and wall running and parkour and sort of shit.
0: But it also had Call of Duty-esque gameplay with hitscan weapons, high lethality. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Titanfall 2 is really good as well it has a campaign which is super fun highly recommend that game to everyone yeah
1: i haven't i haven't played it i played a lot of titanfall
0: one titanfall 2 is still being played still has an audience it it has a really fun six hour storyline campaign where you travel with your buddy robot and kill bad guys
1: um another thing i wanted to bring up was uh, in the same vein as arena shooters i don't know what you would call but at the same time uh that arena shooters were popular. You had games like Doom. But I mean, those, those types of, I guess, simpler shooter games have kind of gone out of fashion. Um, I remember one, what was it called? Uh, Serious Sam.
0: Well, that's almost too simple. Yeah. It's just a shooting gallery. A Serious Sam is a game where you have a gun and you uh, retreat backwards while shooting hordes of enemies in front of you that run towards you, screaming. Yes. Remember we played one of the shittier versions of that game, like Sirius M three, I think. Yeah. In co-op. Yeah, I tried to And it was it wasn't really that fun. No,
1: it wasn't as fun as I'd hoped it was. I was hoping for um a little bit more than it was. It had a lot of recycled assets from
0: modern military shooter they were about to make. So there were aliens in Baghdad or some dumb shit, and you fi kill them with like an M4. Yeah.
1: Because what I was hoping for uh, what I was hoping when it, when it first came out was that it would be something more like 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 nineties shooters like Doom. I guess it was kind of almost a spiritual successor to a Doom style game, original Doom from the nineties.
0: There is a there is a lot more maneuvering and going around and exploring in Doom. In Serious Sam, there is nothing like that. You just go from one arena to another and shoot monsters. Yeah. It's like a less sophisticated version of the new Doom, if anything. Yeah. Well, the- Doom twenty sixteen is kind of like an advanced Serious Sam, I would say. Yeah.
1: Um, That's kind of what's put me off about these new Doom games is that, I mean, they're fun uh, as a gimmick. They're fun for, you know, seeing cool set piece uh, random events happening where, you know, you jump down onto a guy and rip his skull off and, and... blast another guy in half with a shotgun or whatever but i never finished doom one and i have absolutely no interest in doom in doom eternal
0: well i haven't yet finished doom eternal but i played like i played like 90 percent uh, i'm almost at the end I, I do like these games but i mean they're very different from old doom games <laughs> yeah it, that needs to be said but um at the same time, they're just too short. The campaign in Doom Eternal is like 15 hours or something, which is considered to be really long. Yeah, God. Doom 2016 is even shorter. So they end before they become too boring, I guess.
1: Yeah, has there been, trying to think about the evolution of, of first person shooters and how they, it's kind of forked from its beginnings in the 90s, from, you know, Doom and Half Life into what it is today?
0: There, there are two kinds of FPSs. There are Counter Strikes and there are Quakes.
1: <laughs> yeah, but what about? I'm trying. Yeah, I'm trying to think of anything that diverges from that, like Half Life, uh, Half Life Two. Uh, Half Life,
0: Half Life Two is more like Quake because it has emphasis on maneuvering mechanics. Yeah. On the other hand, it does have a fuck ton of hit scan weapons. That's true. Half Life One is also like that. Yeah. I actually played Half-Life 1 multiplayer when back, back when I was a kid. Oh, God, really? It was a lot less fun than Quake. But, for example, one of the most effective weapons in multiplayer Half-Life was, if I remember correctly, the rocket launcher, which, if you recall how Half-Life 1 rocket launcher worked It was actually pretty sophisticated. Like you fire a rocket and then you have this red dot sight thing. Yeah. And then you guide the rocket into the player. It was actually quite fun to use. You know, you can make all kinds of skill shots with the rocket.
1: Yeah, that that was pretty, that was pretty advanced. There's, there's a lot of open-world shooter games. Would, they be, would you even call them shooter games? Shooter RPGs? Like Far Cry?
0: I just call them Ubisoft games because <laughs> all Ubisoft games are actually the same game. Like, it doesn't matter if it's The Division, Assassin's Creed, or Far Cry, or whatever. They're all the same game. Yeah. They all feel the same because they have the same mechanics. And all these games have this obtrusive, awful, ubiquitous Ubisoft UI that I hate. Anyway, we need to wrap this up because we've been recording for a long ass time. Uh, I actually have plans for all kinds of fun episodes. Uh, we can talk. What do we can talk about?
1: Well, video game reviews. I'm going to be uh, playing Alex uh, starting tomorrow.
0: Yeah, this nerd is going to be playing Alex, and we're going to talk about his impressions, red letter media style. Kind of want to talk about Doom Eternal, even though like everyone talks about Doom Eternal, but I think I have like a unique twist. I want to talk about Battletech.
1: Oof, what a hot topic.
0: Yes, robot games, PGI, Canadian game development culture. Oh. There's a lot of fun stuff there. Another interesting subject is um, Star Wars and how Star Wars influenced video game design. The old Dark Forces game was, I think, the first FPS to feature Altfire mode. Uh, there was X-Wing and TIE versus TIE Fighter, which is like it it wasn't the first multiplayer game, but it was one of the first uh, multiplayer games that had like a fuckton of players at the same time. Something that I I wanted to make like a legitimately long, uh, a legit video about this, but then I thought it would be much better to do this in a podcast format. Is that I've been playing Watch Dogs One recently. This is why I'm so bitter about Ubisoft and its fucking products <laughs> and its fucking terrible design decisions. Watch Dogs One is a video game set in Chicago and it's uh, it's about hackers. It's about Gen X hackers who uh, are vigilantes and who solve society's problems. I have like six fucking thousand words written about this fucking stupid shit game, and um, I think we'll make we'll maybe do like an episode or even two episode of a podcast about that instead. Uh, with a review in the end, with a rating. You know what? I think we should like issue a rating in the end, or at least a recommendation. Yeah,
1: yeah, a recommendation at least, or or a, a made up ironic rating system, like four out of banana apples or something like that. Anyway, guys,
0: that's it. See you, guys, see you in a week, maybe in a few days. Uh, this is going to be hopefully a regular thing. The Liberty Rogues signing off. Yeah. <laughs>